This is Thinking Outside the Portfolio, and I'm Jordan Burgess, Senior Vice President and Head of Product and Practice Consulting at Fidelity Investments. I've been at Fidelity for almost three decades now. Through my time here, I'm consistently amazed by the diverse set of capabilities, insights, resources, and the expertise that the firm brings to investors and advisors. Over the last several years, we've invested in subject matter experts, from people who focus on capital markets to practice management professionals, as well as asset class specialists in portfolio construction. We look at thousands of portfolios every year and use qualitative and quantitative measures to see where markets are going and what it means for you as advisors. We'll try to take you to the cutting edge of the financial industry, hearing the latest thinking from advisors on how they put together portfolios in an ever-changing world. We'll discuss the best ways to make connections with customers across the industry. And we'll answer some of your most pressing questions about your job. Just as important, we'll explain how we can help you build a scalable business to serve your customers in the most efficient way possible. At Fidelity, we're focused on working with advisors to address and talk about some of the common myths we observe when advisors are building portfolios. Today, we'll take a look at the myth that many advisors buy into, that it's all about managing the money. Here to talk us through how we can change the minds of advisors on that front is Amanda Robinson, Director of Model Portfolios Business Development. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks, Jordan, happy to be here. To get a sense of what a lot of advisors do, Amanda, how much does the typical advisor spend on actual money management these days? Well, the average advisor that we work with, we find that they spend around 40% of their time managing money. So Jordan, if you think about that in terms of days of the week, they're spending around two days a week managing money. So that leaves around three days a week for them to actually spend in front of clients. The interesting thing, though, is when we ask advisors how much time they actually want to spend managing money, what we hear back is closer to 20% or one day a week. So looking at their days in the week, they're actually looking to spend one less day managing money. Interesting. So they're, they're, they're really trying to gain back a full day or 20% of their 20% of their time. And I assume they're trying to do that to spend with clients. Yeah, absolutely. Simply put, Jordan, they're really trying to provide their clients with more higher value items. At Fidelity, we look at something called the new advice value stack, which is really based on the premise around Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you think back to psychology class, when you learned about Maslow's hierarchy needs, well, at the base level of that is your food, your water, your shelter, your basic needs to survive. But in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we really look into how individuals want to move up and they want more than their basic needs to survive. Well, for a financial advisor, it's the same thing. That base level of that pyramid, that's managing the money. And what we're finding more and more is that clients want more than just managing the money. They want help with things like achieving their financial goals. We almost like to think about this as the question of how am I doing? So when a client needs to walk into an advisor's office and say, how am I doing? Typically what it meant is how am I doing compared to my benchmark or the S&P 500? But now what we're finding more and more is when a client walks into an advisor's office and says, how am I doing? What it actually means is how am I doing towards achieving my financial goal? Answering questions like, am I going to be able to send my kid to the best possible college that they get into? Or am I going to be able to retire on time? Or if I get sick when I retire, am I going to be able to afford to pay for it? So this is 
really all the conversations and the higher value items that we're finding clients are leaning on their financial advisors for outside of just managing the money. So that seems like a pretty significant shift in behavior for advisors and kind of expectations from clients. Why are people so scared to spend less time managing the money? Oftentimes when we work with advisors, we find that just the word outsource alone has negative connotations associated with it. We sometimes hear that advisors that are outsourcing something like investment management feel although it means that they're losing control or even losing a piece of their value prop. But the reality is when advisors outsource a piece of their business, and that could be investment management or technology or even like legal or compliance, they really are becoming more efficient with their time. And it really gives them the opportunity to focus on higher value items. Fidelity did a study where we looked at the financial advisor community and different outsourcing trends. And what we found is that the advisors that outsourced just the top two or three of their functions, they didn't just have higher AUMs, but they also had greater growth, greater referral rates, and a greater number of households, which we all know then translates into greater revenue. So in terms of being scalable and efficient with advisors' time, we find this is some of the best ways that they can be successful. Hmm. So... What do you think they have to lose when they do spend all that time, maybe 40 or 50% of their time on managing the money instead of these you know, higher value endeavors? Maybe, maybe a, a, few, a few things that different types of money managers do here. Yeah, it's a good question. So when we look at the financial advisor landscape, we really think of advisors in three different personas when we think about portfolio construction. So on the left-hand side, we have the engineer. And those are advisors that build portfolios from scratch all on their own. So that might be individual stocks and bonds, individual mutual funds, ETFs, SMAs, whatever that investment product is, they're building that entirely on their own. And then when we look across the spectrum, if we look entirely at the other side, we have an outsourcer. So that's a financial advisor that simply put outsources their investment management. They may use a turnkey model portfolio off the shelf or off a platform that their firm offers, or they may be using a paper portfolio, which is plugging in individual tickers and weights, but they really are outsourcing that investment management piece. Then there's this middle ground in between the engineer do-it-yourself portfolio and the outsourcer, and that's the customizer. And that's a trend that we're seeing continue to grow in popularity among financial advisors. So those are advisors that are actually doing a little bit of both. Maybe instead of starting with nine different style boxes to build a portfolio, they start with a 60-40 portfolio from an off-the-shelf asset manager like Fidelity, and they'll put their own customizable tweaks on it. Maybe they want more ETFs and mutual funds. Maybe they want more international exposure than the existing model is. But if you think back to what we were talking about, Jordan, at the beginning in terms of the amount of time advisors are spending managing money, just by leveraging some of those resources alone, whether it's a portfolio that already exists, like a 60-40 to customize it, it really is saving advisors a pretty significant amount of time. So it sounds to me as though what you're describing is maybe in the past, the majority of the in- industry really represented themselves in that engineer model where the value that they provided was in managing the money. Now you're seeing growth in either the outsourcer category where they're, where they're typically outsourcing the entire investment management to either a home office at the broker dealer or an asset manager. And then, and then you mentioned that there's this other piece where maybe they start with that and then they tweak and 
and customize a bit based on on client needs or their own personal preferences. Is that is that do I generally have that right? Yeah, absolutely, Jordan. So I'd imagine um, there are some people that are afraid to outsource that much. That their value has always been that in the past. Um, are they worried they're going to lose control? Is that what's holding them back? Yeah, that's one of the things that we really consistently hear is that advisors are worried that they may lose control or even a piece of their value prop. But I think what those advisors should really think about and look at is their next generation of clients. So Fidelity, we actually did a study. We went and we looked at two different subsets of clients. We looked at baby boomers, which for most financial advisors probably is a significant amount of their existing clients. And then we looked at Gen X, Y, and Z. We looked at the differences in terms of what they expect from their financial advisor. So one of the questions that we asked both these generations is, do you want comprehensive services from your financial advisor? So that's not just managing the money, that's financial planning. And what we heard back from baby boomers is 23% of them said yes. So around 80% of baby boomers do not want comprehensive services from a financial advisor. That number differs dramatically. When we look at Gen X, Y, and Z, 58% of that generation wants not just money management, but by financial planning and full comprehensive services from their financial advisor. And the other question that we asked that you know really surprised a lot of people, including myself, is the percent of individuals that would consolidate more assets to a primary financial advisor. Gen X, Y, and Z, 45% of them, they would go and they'd consolidate most of their assets to a primary financial advisor. So I think the big takeaway here for advisors that are still managing money and exclusively doing that, and that's their value prop, is that there's a big opportunity to offer more comprehensive services to that next generation of clients. And even more importantly, there's also going to be a take share opportunity for the advisors that learn how to do it and learn how to do that right. Because this next generation of clients, not just that they want comprehensive services, but they're willing to move to an advisor that's willing to give it to them. Yeah, I mean, I almost think about it. I'm going to take what you just said and think about it slightly differently. There's a big risk to advisors that aren't able to evolve their model with kind of the transfer of wealth to next generation of clients. Um, it sounds to me as though there's a very different level of expectation and need with Gen X, Gen Y, as you describe, or the next generations relative to baby boomers and how they define success is very different. So um, opportunity or risk, either way, it sounds like advisors really need to think about how they change their value prop from just managing the money to doing some of those higher value items you mentioned earlier. So if you're an advisor, how do they find the right partner to do this with? We would like to think about this as there being two different partners. So on the one hand, there is obviously an asset management partner. As a financial advisor, you need to work with a variety of different asset management partners. But there's a whole other real business partner that advisors need to be thinking about, and that's technology. Because these model portfolios, they aren't going to go in and rebalance themselves unless that's something an advisor wants them to do. But there's a whole spectrum of capabilities that asset management firms and technology firms can offer financial advisors. So on the asset management side, some feedback we consistently hear from financial advisors that they enjoy working with asset management firms that offer portfolio construction tools and resources and really have the ability to help them grow their practice and bring in new assets. 
Then over on the technology side, some advisors are fortunate to work at a home office that maybe provides them with a tech stack, but other advisors are still maybe figuring that out. Which risk tools do they want to be thinking about? What compliance tools should they be looking at for different proposal generation? What should they be thinking about with that on the technology spectrum? And even more importantly, with all those different tools across their tech stack, are they integrated? So these are some of the things just to be thinking about when you're thinking about your strategic partners on the asset management side, as well as the technology side. That's really helpful. So let me just dig in that a little bit more because we spent a lot of time talking about how people manage money. What you just introduced there was a not only how they manage the money in terms of the asset allocation and investment selection, but truly the execution of that portfolio construction, kind of the trading, the quarterly rebalancing and tools and services that allow them to be more efficient. And maybe in the past, uh, you know, I think thinking about advisors that might use the the sheet of paper and a pen and a pencil to kind of keep track of what, what tickers and weights are they rebalancing every quarter. And what you're describing is either home offices or platform providers that make that uh, a much more streamlined approach that also increase, increases that efficiency. Going back to you, instead of spending two days managing money, it's one. Do I, do I have, generally have that right? Yeah, Jordan, you nailed it. A lot of advisors that we've worked with in the past, just to rebalance an account, you know, let's say it's the end of the quarter, they want to do a quarterly or an annual rebalance. They may go in and rebalance account by account by account by account. When there's technology that they can have a model in place and rebalance that across the board. And so that's just some quick ways to really save advisors time. And as you referenced at the beginning, when we're thinking about days of the week and really how advisors are spending time, well, that two days a week, that 40% on investment management, it's not all just on the asset selection and the research and diving in deep on specific mutual funds or ETFs. A lot of it is the rebalancing and the operational work. So it is really important to think about that execution piece as well. Yeah, I'd imagine the implementation is time consuming. So what are some of the options advisors have with model portfolios for customers who buy into this idea? Right, they want to spend less time in, in managing the money. So advisors say, geez, I, I, I buy into this. Instead of two days, I want to get it to one. But they still want to be able to control and customize for clients when needed. So that's really that customizer persona that we're thinking about. So that could be an advisor that, let's say, starts with a 60-40 portfolio, makes their own adjustments, as opposed to starting with nine style boxes. That could also be a financial advisor that maybe enjoys and is really good at managing a certain sleeve of their portfolio. That's actually a piece of feedback we got directly from advisors. Some advisors we worked with said, I really like managing my equity sleeve. I enjoy the doing it. I like doing the research. I think I'm good at it. But the fixed income space, difficult to navigate. And if there's market volatility, I need my fixed income to be doing what it's supposed to be doing. So I'd rather leverage just a prepackaged fixed income or a bond portfolio for that and then continue to manage the equity sleeve myself. So that's one example that we find with financial advisors. They look at their portfolios. They maybe have an area that they enjoy, they're comfortable with, and they want to continue to have that control and that ownership. But then there's another piece that may take them a significant amount of time. They may be a little worried about it. They don't enjoy it. That there's a model portfolio that exists that they can start to leverage there to ultimately take some work off their plate, but still have some control over the overall portfolio. So kind of pulling on that string a little bit, when we think about where the time they were spending money, spending time managing the money, 
what are the higher value activities they could spend time on and, and what does the payoff look like for that? So we talked a little bit about the, at the beginning, the focus of um, really focusing in on financial planning and talking to your clients about their financial goals and what that looks like and how to achieve that. And a great way to get there really organically is focusing in on different life events. There are financial advisors that when a client just went through a life event, let's say they had a baby, that when that client walks into that off their office, they may be spending most of the time talking to them about the standard deviation on their international large cap growth fund. When that client just went through a major life event and just personally probably has a lot on their mind, thinking about how that's going to impact their future financial situation. So the advisors that really take the time to have discussions with their clients during life events and even after them to understand how that's impacting them and really build out a financial plan. Well, those are the advisors that have clients that are really personally close to their advisors and tend to stay with their advisors as they start to see market volatility and some additional events going on in the market so they can be able to stay invested. So what else should advisors remember when they first start thinking about outsourcing more money management? What are some of the small steps they can take to test the water? So we talked about a couple here today, things like looking at a 60-40 portfolio, just for some ideas to build out a portfolio, maybe looking at a sleeve of their practice to use for a model portfolio. I did have an advisor one time say to me that he uses model portfolios on his Henry's, his high earners, not rich yet. But it was a great example of looking across his book of business and saying, you know, I have these clients that I need to manage their assets. But I have this smaller set that it's not a good use of my time and a model portfolio would be a great fit for them. So that's just one way that advisors can really take a step in that direction towards using model portfolios by recognizing maybe there's a piece of their business that just isn't a good use of their time or profitable for them to be spending time managing those, that, those assets. And then the final thing that I would say advisors can do is they can just subscribe to get updates on model portfolios. I cannot begin to imagine if I'm a financial advisor opening my email every day, seeing all the different articles and emails that I may be getting from wholesalers or different asset managers or news outlets. And one thing that Fidelity does is whenever our model portfolios rebalance, we send advisors first thing in the morning an email that says the model portfolios have rebalanced and here's the specific changes that we did. So it's a really short and easy way for advisors to get a snapshot on actionable steps that they can do when they're building out their various portfolios. Um, Amanda, thank you. Super insightful. Really appreciate being with us. Uh, I'm thinking outside the portfolio, we always love to bring you, the advisors, into the conversation. If you've got a question for us, please be sure to reach out. Our listener question today is actually about the strengths of different portfolio managers. Amanda, what do you suggest to someone who really feels like their strength is managing the money, crunching the numbers, watching the markets, and maybe they aren't as strong at the other things that you're suggesting that are higher value add, like spending more time and getting clients? What suggestions could you make to them? There is a tremendous amount of value in spending time in front of clients. That's something that you know each and every advisor should be thinking about. How do we spend time in front of clients and how do I engage their families and work with them a little bit closer? But I will say, thinking back to those three different personas that we said, the engineer, the outsourcer, and the customizer, we do have a huge amount of opportunities and really resources for the advisors that are acting as the engineers. And there are ways 
whether it's leveraging a portfolio construction tool or even a portfolio construction consultant, that they can ultimately still take some of work, some work off your plate. And that's still your portfolio that you're building as the financial advisor and as the engineer of that portfolio, that they're ultimately still taking some work off your plate to allow you to spend more time on some of those higher value items and really in front of your clients. So, so, so man, it sounds like maybe there's three different ways that we help advisors and maybe they match some of the business models you described. So it sounds like we provide a, a portfolio construction service that's kind of one-to-one bespoke consulting. Um, it sounds like you have developed a tool. I think you mentioned portfolio quick check at one point in here, a tool that does that. Then of course you have the model portfolios that, that you represent. So you've really kind of built a suite of services that help advisors, regardless of where they are in that journey, kind of execute on on, on being more efficient managing the money. Is that right? Absolutely. Great, Amanda. Thank you very much for your insights. Extremely helpful. Uh, loved having you here. Um, Amanda Robinson is the director of Model Portfolios Business Development. And thanks again, Amanda. So to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Please join me for future episodes of Thinking Outside the Portfolio as we discuss the myths and realities of portfolio construction. Until then, I'm Jordan Burgess. Stay safe and be well. Information presented herein is for illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. User expressed as of February 2021 based on the information available at that time and may be changed based on market or other conditions. The opinions provided are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. Investment decisions should be based on an individual's own goals, time horizon, and tolerance for risk. Nothing in this content should be considered as legal or tax advice and you are encouraged to consult your own lawyer, accountant, or other advisor before making any financial decisions. Security names mentioned are for illustrative purposes only, not a recommendation or offer to buy or sell any securities. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure profit or guarantee against loss. Stock markets, especially foreign markets, are volatile and can decline significantly in response to adverse issue or political regulatory market or economic developments. Foreign securities are subject to interest rate, currency exchange rate, economic and political risks, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. The risks are particularly significant for funds that focus on a single country or region in general. The bond market is volatile and fixed income securities carry interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer-term securities. Fixed income securities also carry inflation, credit, and default risks for both issuers and larger parties. The use of the term advisor advisors throughout this podcast shall refer to both investment advisors and broker-dealers as a collective term. Fidelity Institutional SMFI provides investment products through Fidelity Distributors Company LLC and clearing custody or other brokerage services through National Financial Services LLC or Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC, members NYSE, SIPC. Institutional Asset Management Services are provided by FIAM LLC or Fidelity Institutional Asset Management Trust Company. Personal and workplace investment products are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. 
Before investing in any mutual fund or exchange-traded product, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact your investment professional or visit i.fidelity.com for a prospectus, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. Reference number 96873.1.0.